Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me on a sunny capital, which seems still rather empty. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Peter Gillette, Chief Executive of MarketPoint Global, a database marketing and CRM firm with over 35 years of experience. Peter, hello. Hello there. Good to talk, Matthew. Great to talk to you. Thank you for coming on the program today. Um, Now, normally we dive straight into the concept of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID-19 situation, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how it has affected your business. Well, I guess, like a lot of people, it's affected us a lot. Uh, Some people disastrously and others uh, are taking up the slack and are doubly busy. So, uh, one half of our business is is uh, falls into that category of, of you know disappearing completely because mm-hmm. we support a lot of U.S. companies and their trade shows and special events in the U.S. and that sort of disappeared completely and we're not expecting that part of the business to to really get going again until the autumn. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's now much easier to talk to clients of market points who are using this time for more than a spring clean. They're just looking at all of their systems and how mm-hmm. to improve them and enhance them. And uh, they have much more time to stop and think and plan with us. So that side of the business um, is busier than ever. So it's a bizarre time, isn't it, for, for lots of reasons. Absolutely. Now, in the physical uh, situation for your business, uh, when did you uh, shut down your offices and how have you coped with remote working? Uh, so we're into uh, coming up to week seven. So uh, my co-director and I you know, read some interesting statistics back in the middle of March. And uh, having read that and seen how this thing was spreading and it was just started in Italy, yeah, you know, you look back then and you think, oh, goodness, what a shame we didn't all just shut down our borders and carry oh, yes. on life as normal. But it's so easy to look back. So, yeah, no, we're, we're well into this. Uh, so we, we discussed it on a Thursday evening. He's based in San Francisco and California, sort of the head of the rest of the, uh, the U.S. states in uh, following pretty much the same steps as we have been in the U.K., and uh, yeah, Friday morning, we got everyone together in the office and said, come on, guys, we're shipping out. You're going to start working from home. Um, this may be for three months. And so that, that's proved to be uh, pretty much as it's, as it's developed. And there were a lot of people that in the company thought, well, this is mad. Why are we doing this? But uh, we're, we're pleased we did. And uh, by Monday, we're putting new systems in place to have a week, a daily call every morning uh, with everyone in the company reviewing work. And, and, and the odd paradox of this is actually we're working more closely together as a team than we did mm. in the old days. It's uh, been, a, been a very quick and uh, distinct shift. Now, how long do you think uh, this can be sustained, this level of home working? I think a lot of it's going to continue forever. I think it's, it's changing the way we uh, uh, operate. And uh, people have found that actually they've got more thinking time. There's a, a sort of 
you know, depending on their home situation, of course, there must be a lot of people that are really struggling with young families and so on and home education. But I, I think there'll be a lot of us that actually feel that we can be much more productive, having a different style of operation, less of the old style um, offices that are in place and uh, people working from home and maybe offices will change into more of a social hub for for face-to-face meetings that you still want and maybe we'll all have our own little mini studios for hosting zoom meetings with clients all around the world so i I think it's going to trigger a lot of change um going forward when we do get back to the new normal well, indeed, it'll be uh, very interesting to see, and, and nonetheless, also the effects on the economy uh, through the uh, commercial rental market will uh, be absolutely vast. As you said, most people have found that working from home hasn't impacted their business all that much. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of vacant op- offices in the future, I'm afraid. Um, yes. We might as well move into the subject of leadership. I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking a very simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? I guess it's a a word that to me means, you know, obviously leading the company forward, but to me personally, it's um, the innovation the constantly searching for the next idea, uh, either to shape our products and our software and services to clients, um, or, you know, like this current COVID crisis, you know, how is the business going to be steered through into the new style of of operating as we were just discussing? Mm. So, yeah, it's it's linked to innovation and, and new thinking for sure. What's your personal leadership model? It's been rediscovered, I think, in these recent weeks because, you know, having run the business for a few decades now, um, sort of built up a team of people that can operate fairly autonomously. And, and you know, if you choose the the best people you think for the job, you can't always get that right. But if you have got good people, then they can run on their own and you leave them to run their divisions and, and uh, the support they provide for the company uh, on their own. Um, but because we've had to work more closely together, um, I haven't been able to leave people to their own devices within the business mm-hmm. as much. And, you know, you have to step up and say, okay, we're going to work from home. What's everyone going to need? Technically, guys, you need to do this, right? We need to interact socially over the web now and have these meetings. And and it's a, yeah, it's an old-fashioned start of leadership that has come back into play and, Obviously, I've had to brush up my own skills to to do that recently. Now, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? It's tricky, I know. Well, you think it is tricky, isn't it? Because you immediately think of uh, 
you know, historical figures, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, leaders that fell by the the wayside, such uh, you know as, as Napoleon and then the and Duke of Wellington, of course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his nemesis, um, and you'd. And I don't want people to take this the wrong way, uh, but you've got to say that Hitler was a fantastic leader. And if you look at his pre-war leadership of Germany and, and what was achieved and the whole sort of sense of almost, you know, a Roman empire. And, the, and, and because, I mean, marketing graphics, you know, the whole theatre of of, um, you know, the great speeches and, and those massive meetings and things. Uh, but, you know, of course, we don't think he's a good man for everything else that went on, but his leadership skills were brilliant. I think if we bring that back to, um, you know, all leaders have an opposite, don't they? So I mentioned Napoleon and Wellington, you would say, well, there's Hitler and there's Churchill, two completely different styles. Of course. And, uh, and well, of course, leadership isn't, leadership isn't just about uh, good character. Uh, there are good leaders no. who are good. There are, uh, there are effective leaders who are evil. Uh, yes. Now, uh, of course, you have evil leaders who are ineffectual, like Idi Amin. Uh, but you are right. Yep. There are uh, effective evil leaders, such as uh, Hitler and Stalin. Um, yes. But... Uh, it's a very interesting concept to to open up into a wider realm of uh, of debate uh, amongst uh, people whether leadership good leadership could be characterized as acting for the moral good or just acting effectively uh, which is yes. a discussion that will be ongoing now unfortunately it's, our- a, big, it's a big big subject isn't it love, you know the modern leaders that you think of you know, uh, Steve Jobs, fascinating to discover, look at his career and how he led people in an innovative way, but not, it was hard to work with. I think uh, someone like Elon Musk up to date, uh, he's led his companies fantastically quickly, that is Tesla mm-hmm. or SpaceX. So, you know, greatly admire what he's, what he's achieved. Um, but, you know, those sort of people don't take prisoners, do they? They, they, they just drive forward and you're either in, you either fit in or you have to, to move out. It's, it's, it is a whole big subject and you could discuss this for hours just on its own. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, our time together has drawn to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Market Point Global? It's certainly going to be very busy. So we are changing everything like so many others at the moment. Uh, we believe and we're optimistically looking forward to things returning to what I said was the new normal uh, for us. And that won't really be until September. And then we see the rest of this year through the autumn into 2021 as probably being twice as busy as we've we've been norm- you know, used to in the past. So, goodness, let's... Uh, press the fast forward and get there for for everyone's benefit and hope the economy picks up in the same way. So, yeah, an optimistic, positive outlook, um, I'd have to say. Well, Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program today, and I do hope that we can have you back on at some point in the future. Peter, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you.
That was Peter Gillette, Chief Executive of MarketPoint Global. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me and realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did again mm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, w- would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more 
looks upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it would be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a, a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time maybe overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be 
be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, Norway, I think in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen, so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I. At that stage, I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them and there really must have been moments if maybe there weren't but uh, let us know in that 66 competition the prolonged pressure on all of you you know the weight of a nation did it get to you oh not for me personally no i, I think and i don't uh, not for me not for a second i think mm. i was just happy to be you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. 
Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a... a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well, so it did... Uh, um, it did again, if, you put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. 
their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so but um, I'm conscious of the um, time um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, so many, yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I'm... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, 
you we wouldn't have been as ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is showed, the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.